right, we are recording in three, two, one, go. Blast off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, you like that little That's extra great. cheese this morning. <laughs> well, welcome again, Amy Joy. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having just, me. <laughs> yeah, so happy to have you. Let's just dive right in. If you could just tell us your name, your pronouns, and just a one-liner about you as a professional. I'm Amy Joy. I'm a lecturer at UC Santa Barbara and UC Berkeley, where I mostly teach academic English speaking and writing to international mm -hmm. students studying abroad in the United States, and my pronouns are she, her. I also have created a YouTube channel called Your Favorite English Teacher, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. Perfect introduction from our guest today, Amy Joy Rovirosa. Yep. We thought we'd dive right in, listeners, and let our guest introduce our topic. So welcome, everyone, to the Teacher Think Aloud podcast, a podcast for reflective practice for teachers of English around the world. I'm your co-host, Anna. And I'm Shay. Our guest, Amy Joy, and I met in graduate school oh so many years ago, and we've stayed connected at conferences and through social media ever since. And we've just been so impressed to see the wonderful work Amy Joy has been putting out on her YouTube channel, Your Favorite English Teacher. So good. Mm -hmm. At the moment, her YouTube channel has over 10,000 subscribers, wow. and that number's just been growing and growing, as you'll hear from her in a moment. So what is the key to launching a successful YouTube teacher channel? How can you start your own? And how can learners boost their English language skills on YouTube? Listen and find out. So I'm sure you know what's coming next. An icebreaker. So Let's you do it. are... A Californian. So if you could break one stereotype about California, what would it be? Ooh. Hmm. Tough one, huh? <laughs> that is a tough one. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is I went to UC Santa Barbara as well. And, you know, there's this idea that people will surf to school and not all of us <laughs> surf or <laughs> can surf. Um, so that's one that comes to my mind. Yeah. You don't spend your entire day at the beach, do you? Not all the time. <laughs> okay. But sometimes you do. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, so tell us about the start of your YouTube channel, Your Favorite English Teacher. So when you started, what drove your decision and how that sort of took off? Yeah. So I had always kind of wanted to have a YouTube channel, but, you know, teachers were really busy and I didn't really feel like I had the time or necessarily the technical skills, you know, the editing, the recording to do all that. But once COVID happened, you know, everything changed for everybody and I had to start uploading video lectures online to my courses when we went to have emergency and remote instruction. So mm -hmm. I really figured that was the best time to start a channel and I had the time to learn some of those skills and I had a reason to. So mm -hmm. I started back in January of 2021. To be honest though, I don't really feel like I started my channel until January of 2022 because it did take me about a year to figure out all of those editing skills and recording skills and audio skills. And mm -hmm. I think it took me about a year to develop 
you know, those skills to feel like I could produce something that I was actually proud of. So in the first year, it was mainly, you know, sending uh, links to my friends and family to watch my videos and Mm -hmm. having my students watch them during COVID. Um, But it wasn't until about a year later that I started, you know, my videos got caught up in the algorithm finally and people from other places outside of my network uh, were able to find them and see them. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, about two and a half years. Yeah. I love that you took the technical skills that you had a chance Mm -hmm. to build during the pandemic and turned it into something lasting. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's really interesting because with YouTube, we all have the teaching skills, the pedagogical knowledge and what you actually need is marketing skills. You need technical (laughs) skills. And it's really hard to put all that knowledge you have and translate it into this new medium. So that was what was really challenging. But I also had some other reasons for starting my channel that I would love to share. You know, when I was in COVID and when I was looking for content for my students, I was finding that a lot of the instructors on YouTube, they were offering very basic or simplistic videos. You know, for example, if they're teaching the passive voice, they're like, the apple was eaten. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of those videos weren't really useful for my students who are in a university setting, learning academic Mm -hmm. English. And it just, it felt like there was a discrepancy between what was available and what I needed to teach. And I really wanted to be able to create a content that I could personally use in my classes and that might serve others well too and using more authentic, more advanced examples. And that was a big driving force behind my decision was a lack of content out there. And then mm-hmm. another reason, I, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I started this. Mm-hmm. Since most of my courses, they're limited to academic writing, which I love teaching, but I also have a background in teaching, speaking, listening, American culture, slang, mm-hmm. idioms, and a lot of that less formal English. And I know mm-hmm. that my students have not been taught those things either. And it's mm-hmm. very valuable, especially for my international students who are studying abroad in the U.S. And so I thought it would be great to also offer them the option to learn through my channel in their own time if, if they wanted. So Amazing. I remember your early videos that I was seeing on social media of all these slang words, like really, you know, you really would need to be immersed in American culture to understand them. And I thought that was just so cool. And then I see where you've, you know, all of the terrain that you've covered. I just watched your video on hedging that you put out today. Today, yeah. 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 Right before our interview. Hello, my favorite English language learners. It is your favorite English teacher here, Amy Joy. And in today's video, you are going to learn how to improve your academic speaking and writing by doing what we call hedging. So what is hedging? Hedging is making your statements softer by replacing absolute or very certain words like always, will, and definitely with softer words like often. And I would have loved to use that in one of my academic writing classes ages ago because I'm like, oh, yeah, you explained it exactly how I would have wanted to explain it. You've just done it in a beautifully formatted, packaged, easy to understand, you know, well-delivered format. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's so kind. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you've really filled a gap in the market, I think. Have you used these videos directly in your classes or do you just offer it sort of as a supplement for your students? Absolutely. So I actually right now I'm teaching a lot of online classes. And one of the things that drives my decisions is what do I need for my own classes? And, you know, I teach a lot of the same classes quarter after quarter. And so if I can just spend a lot of time making a really good video on that one thing, then I can reuse it for years to come. So what I need for my own classes, you know, really determines what videos I make. And hedging was definitely one of the topics that I'm going to be teaching in a couple weeks. So that was yeah. the reason I made that video. That's great. That's a great use of your time. <laughs> yeah. I'd say. Well, tell us a little bit more. You've, you've touched upon this, but tell us more about your target audience, who it is that you're actually creating this content for, aside for your, from yourself and, and from your own students. Yeah. So to be honest, my audience is quite broad, really any intermediate to advanced English language learners who are interested in American English, American culture. And that's also another part of my niche that is unique is a lot of the English teachers online are Australian or British and I haven't seen too many Americans out there. So for students who are interested in American culture and English, that's who I'm here for. International students coming to the U.S., and then also adult English language learners that are outside of the U.S., but just generally interested in what it's like over here and how we talk. So as a university instructor, I do feel like I offer a really unique perspective. Based on that, I've made videos for like how to email a professor, important words related to university that no one's teaching you. Like, what does it mean to crash a class or what even is a, a credit, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I also address areas of weakness that I notice in my students. And I think a lot of times our language learners, they don't know what they don't know. And so I'm really able to give learners valuable information that they wouldn't even know to search for in YouTube. Mm -hmm. I also make videos about pop culture and social issues. Uh, my first video to pick up in the algorithm was 20 collocations about social issues. Another hot word, another very controversial and debated word. The word is privilege. Privilege just means opportunities or positive treatment for belonging to a dominant group. Dominant groups in the U.S. include white people, males, Christians, straight people. You also have native English speaker privilege and the list goes on. There are many different kinds of privilege. You might have some and not others, but that is what the word privilege means. So belonging to the dominant group kind of gives you this privilege or opportunity or positive treatment. Yeah, I'm really interested and passionate about those kinds of topics like representation in the media, the Me Too movement, body positivity, reproductive rights, and a lot of those kind of taboo topics are not taught in textbooks or even by other English teachers on YouTube. So that's another way that I fill a void. And, you know, these topics are so widely discussed in the news, in the media, on social media, that 
you need a lot of that vocabulary and language to understand the nuances of American culture. Mm-hmm. You're advocating for your students in a way to enter the conversation, right? You're giving them the tools that they need to participate in meaningful dialogue at the societal level, right? That's really important. It's yeah. not just teaching language, right? It's giving life skills, conversational skills. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say bridging that gap between just what's purely academic and what they might encounter in the real world. And, you know, they even do the same for me. I, I actually did a live stream on the current event of Masa Amini and the protests in Iran. And I had a subscriber who joined with me and he was reporting about what was going on there and how he, he wasn't able to watch some of my videos because the internet was taken down. And just they're also dealing with so many issues. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity to connect and bridge that gap and hear from them and learn from them as well. Love the social mission behind what Amy Joy does. She's really dedicated. Mm-hmm. She has a whole playlist on her channel dedicated to social issues. But beyond these more serious and academic topics, one thing we appreciate is that Amy Joy also touches on the lighter side of language and culture. One time I made a video about American weddings and American wedding vocabulary. And I went to my friend's wedding and I recorded a bunch of footage just on my iPhone. And then I came back Mm -hmm. and made a video about vocabulary and customs and, you know, just these little things. For example, you know, sometimes you need to sit on a certain side or maybe you don't have to Mm -hmm. sit on a certain side. And just Mm -hmm. sharing those fun cultural differences that... I don't know, don't always come up or that students might not learn in a regular classroom. That's such a cool example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that teachers don't feel like they have the time necessarily when they're working within a strict curriculum to address, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And again, that's one of the reasons I do this because Mm -hmm. it saves us time and you can share about things that you can't necessarily teach in the classroom if you're restricted, you know, to a certain, like you said, curriculum or or lesson plan that day. So... Mm -hmm. Actually, you made me really curious about, you know, who your viewers are. You've already talked about who your target audience is, but I'm interested if you can share a little bit about behind the scenes, what you're seeing in your analytics, what different nationalities have you seen on there and different kinds of people? Yeah, this is one of the best things about working on YouTube is I have students from everywhere in the world. I have a large population in India and in Korea, also Mm -hmm. Brazil. And then I have one very loyal subscriber in Sri Lanka who writes to me all the time. And it's been one of the most beautiful aspects of being on here is meeting these people that you would never meet in maybe your classroom or maybe they would never come be able to study in the U.S., but they can still learn from you. And not only are English language learners subscribing to my channel, but also other teachers. I've had teachers from Korea and Brazil both write to me saying that, I showed your video in my class today and they loved it. And thank you so much for what you do. And that is the biggest honor that Mm -hmm. a teacher could hope for. And I just imagine like my face being on a screen in Korea or Brazil and just so rewarding. Mm -hmm. The ripple effect, right? Once you touch teachers' hearts, I mean, you're going to blow up even more than you already have. That's incredible. And you've certainly blown up. You've gotten so big out there. Well, so what should multilingual learners using YouTube to learn a language look for in their search? How do they start? 
Yeah, so I think the biggest piece of advice is to become familiar with the meta language or the names of the mm -hmm. topics that you want to learn about. Because mm -hmm. if we think about it, YouTube is a search engine, right? So if you can be mm -hmm. more specific about what it is you're looking for, you will find more videos that will address your areas of interest. So for mm -hmm. example, instead of searching for how to improve my English grammar, you might want to learn the name of the grammar topic that you're struggling with. Maybe it's articles, maybe the future perfect, etc. And mm -hmm. this leads me to an interesting side note, but it has actually been really difficult for me to choose how I title my videos. Because mm -hmm. as the instructor and as a linguist, I know the terminology for what I'm teaching. But if I'm sitting from the perspective of my student, they might not know what I'm teaching is called. And so mm. oftentimes what I've done is in the first part of my title, I will put something a little bit more general, like how to improve English vocabulary. And then the second part, getting more specific with the correct terminology. But it is really interesting because in the world of YouTube, your title and your thumbnail are the two most important components to getting someone to click on your video and mm -hmm. actually watch it. And so it can be very difficult to know what your student is actually searching for. And also I've noticed mm -hmm. in some of my recommended searches, it's not even grammatically correct mm -hmm. because our language learners are doing the searching and they're not necessarily using correct grammar. So it's very fascinating. I think our niche is really interesting in that regard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to know what someone is going to be searching for and how they're going to search for the topic that they end up receiving from you. That's mm -hmm. it's a really interesting problem to solve. So mm -hmm. I'm going to pay more attention to how you're naming your videos yeah. now because that's a really interesting point. I do have another piece of advice for language yeah, learners please. too. To not necessarily ignore a video just because it doesn't have the most views or because a channel doesn't have a million subscribers. Nowadays, mm. YouTube is quite old. And so most of the videos that have lots and lots of views, they might have just been around a long time and accumulated views over time. The same mm. thing with the channels. So now actually viewing a video that is older, it might not be as recent, relevant, mm. or maybe not edited as well. So don't mm -hmm. discount a channel or a video just because they don't have too many subscribers or views. Yeah, you can always yeah. be the first group of subscribers, you know, like get that channel mm -hmm. started and be a loyal mm -hmm. fan. Love that. And Amy Joy also had some tips for learners to try while watching a YouTube lesson. You know what some of my subscribers have commented that they do? Even on my videos that are not teaching speaking, they will shadow my videos. They will repeat after me when I'm teaching mm. to get the speaking practice and pronunciation practice. And so if there's a teacher that you like, you like their accent or you like their pronunciation, you know, you can slow down the video, repeat what they're saying and practice that way. I've also mm. created some more interactive videos because as a teacher, it's so hard to do all the teacher talk. And that was one of my biggest struggles at the beginning is I want my students to practice. I don't just want them to listen. And so I do have some videos where I mimic a conversation and I say one line, they get the other line, and then they can practice that way. I think also just taking notes. And mm -hmm. if you're just listening to the video, you're probably not going to retain that information necessarily. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think those are some of my top tips. Great. Yeah. They make a lot of sense because that's kind of how we try to get our students in our classes to participate. You know, they don't learn just by sitting there in class. They learn by speaking, repeating and taking it and making it their own and taking notes about it. So, yeah, I think that's a great tip. 
Also, mm-hmm. practice your writing in the comments. When I had nice. fewer subscribers mm-hmm. and I could respond to comments all the time, I would correct their mistakes if they asked me, you know? And so mm-hmm. you might connect mm-hmm. with a teacher that you really like and you can get some writing practice that way. And mm-hmm. we really like it when people comment. So it's a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> so then on the flip side of things, thinking about teachers and not trying to create competition for you here, but... If a teacher is thinking of putting some videos on YouTube and adding their lessons to YouTube so they can use it in their classrooms or even starting a YouTube channel like your own, trying to get more subscribers, do you have any tips for them if they're just starting out? So first of all, YouTube has been so useful for me personally, like I mentioned in my classes, and I feel like as teachers, we repeat so much information that sometimes it's nice to just Put in the work now and it'll save yourself so much time later. I've used my videos in my classes and since I have other colleagues that teach the same levels, they've used my videos in their classes. So Mm -hmm. it can be beneficial to you and even your institution or your program. And then Mm -hmm. another thing is just all the wonderful people that you get to connect with and Like I mentioned, you know, those teachers over in Korea and Brazil, I would have never gotten to interact with them if I hadn't done this. So it's it's really fun. Mm -hmm. Lastly, (laughs) another reason I started this channel is, you know, something that we all care about is the opportunity to make money and generate passive income. And let's Mm. not, you know, beat around the bush with that. That's a huge reason why I wanted to start this. And while it does take a long time to build that foundation and grow your channel, it's a great opportunity to reach the masses. And you might not make a ton on YouTube with ad revenue, but you could make money by selling a book or a course or or something. So it's just another very valuable asset when you start your channel and definitely something to consider. Mm -hmm. Teachers are always looking for a little bit of extra income here and there where they can. So I'm glad that you're being real about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then in terms of if you want to start out, (laughs) when you're starting, your first videos are going to be terrible. They're not going to be great. (laughs) And every, every YouTube advice video that I've watched has said the exact same thing. So it's fun for me to be able to share this with like prospective YouTube teachers. At the same time, you're going to improve very quickly. You're going to notice when something sounds bad. You're going to notice when something's boring. You're just going to learn a lot very quickly. So it's okay. And then in YouTube circles, I've heard this phrase a lot that, you know, something published is better than nothing published and kind of goes along with Mm. that quote, like perfect is the enemy of good, right? Mm. So, you know, if you have something that you want to share, it has value and just go for it. Also, there will likely be videos out there on the topic that you've decided to do, but don't let that discourage you because you can always add your own twist to it. Maybe you can think of better examples or a different way to present it. So don't Mm -hmm. get discouraged if you think a topic is too saturated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then if I were just starting a channel from scratch, knowing what I know now, I would start out way more simple. Mm. Some of my very first videos were super complex writing concepts and really complex grammar topics. And my technical skills were not at the level of my teaching skills. And Mm -hmm. it took me like a month to edit a couple of my first videos. So Mm -hmm. if I were just starting, I might start out with doing short form videos, maybe Instagram reels, TikTok, Mm -hmm. uh, YouTube shorts, and 
just to get familiar with being on camera and editing a video, like a short one, so that you don't waste mm -hmm. all this time. I have some videos with such great content, but the audio is terrible. And so I hate assigning <laughs> them because I know in, deep down that I'm like, oh, the audio is terrible. And I wish I would have started out with something more simple so I could tweak those and like adjust those issues before making something that was like 20 minutes long. Okay, so to recap, don't be too hard on yourself when you first start. It takes time to improve your craft. And also, don't expect to go viral overnight. You know, again, my first year took me, you know, a whole year to get maybe like 500 subscribers. And then after two years, I had about 3,000. This year, I went from, it's September, so we're in like month nine. I went from 3,000, I just hit 9,000 subscribers. So if wow, you're nice. kind of looking for like a general timeline, that's my experience. And then it's always just a snowball from there. Mm -hmm. In terms of monetizing your channel, you need 4,000 hours of watch time within a given year. And so I think mm -hmm. one of the things that I actually wanted to share was, you know, what drives my content creation. And while my own courses definitely, you know, drive that, there was a period of time where I really wanted to grow my, my following. And what I did was I searched for trending topics. I tried to figure out what was going to be popular there's a tool called TubeBuddy that you can use I think I pay for like a premium subscription but you can also use it and you can search for keywords that you're interested in teaching and it'll tell you how saturated that topic is it will tell you mm. how highly searched it is and so at that time I was really relying on that tool to guide my decisions mm. and of course I did a video on ChatGPT for language learning and that was a big, you know, it still is a big conversation going on right now and that's one of my best performing videos. So yeah, just some realistic information about how long it takes to grow and mm -hmm. how you can approach it. How, how often are you putting out new content? Actually, when my first video kind of went viral, not that viral, but like caught into the algorithm, I did a challenge. I said, I'm going to post every day for a month. That is okay. not realistic mm -hmm. <laughs> or sustainable, but I think it is a good challenge if you want to drive traffic to your channel. The algorithm will pick it up if you're posting more frequently. Now I've tried to maintain about once a week. And then um, last thing with my tips is that classroom pedagogy doesn't always translate over into YouTube. And so while mm. I might like to take my sweet time, you know, doing a noticing activity at the beginning of class and then having students mm -hmm. find the grammar point, you know, I do that in a couple of my videos. But as I was learning more about YouTube, you need to give value like right away and get right mm. to the point. Otherwise, you're going to lose interest and in all of that wonderful content that you've prepared, like won't even get watched. So just being aware of what successful YouTubers do and trying to mimic that and even if you feel teacher talky, even if you feel like this goes against your intuitions as a teacher, it might mm. be for the best. So that mm. was just a really interesting obstacle to overcome or realization to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of think of it as, I mean, it really is flipped learning, right? By creating the video, even if it's teacher talky, you're doing the explanation in a way that it's on students' own time. And then they can take it and practice it in a scenario with a partner, with a teacher and whatnot. So yeah, I like that you're telling us to sort of let go 
of some of those practices that we're holding on to so tightly because it does really serve a different purpose than just Mm -hmm. when you're in front of a class, you know? Yeah. I love that you also put it into like the greater context of how you might use a YouTube video too, because that's exactly what I do. I assign Mm -hmm. my videos as homework. And then Mm -hmm. once we get into the classroom, we're doing activities using that grammar point or that vocabulary. And so it really can actually reduce your teacher talk if you're using it Mm -hmm. in the right way. But just Mm -hmm. when you're recording the video, it might feel a little unnatural because you're not used to talking so much. I think it's so important that Amy Joy emphasized the purpose of YouTube videos as opposed to classroom teaching. The video isn't supposed to just substitute her teaching. It really amplifies it by freeing up time in class for meaningful practice, right? Exactly. Hmm. I think during the pandemic, well, before the pandemic, but when we were Uh all forced to teach online, we became much more aware of this idea of flipped classroom and how Mm -hmm. to really maximize it. I remember I spent the summer of 2020 creating a series of videos for instructors at Fordham University to use in their introductory writing course for international students. Honestly, those videos probably look so outdated now. I I don't even want to look at them. But the idea was that once they were done, I could use them and other instructors in the department could use them forever and mm-hmm. use classroom time for workshopping student writing and providing feedback. Yeah. So I guess the suggestion here is if we aren't using the supportive YouTube teachers content, it might be helpful to start tapping into existing videos that can supplement or support the instructional part of our teaching, Mm -hmm. or even start creating our own videos with easy to use video creation tools like Canva or iMovie. Yeah. So to wrap up our conversation with Amy Joy, we wanted to know about her goals and aspirations. Where are you going with this? What's next? You just released an ebook. Cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So the inspiration for the ebook was taken from some of my better performing videos, which were on C1, C2 level vocab, some of those really high level words that just some learners might not get to in their regular classes. And so what I basically did is I considered that those videos had done well. Then I surveyed my subscribers and I said, hey, what would you want to learn about? And I gave them like a couple choices. That one by far had the most uh, votes. And I was like, okay, that's what my book will be about. So I went through Mm. numerous C1, C2 lists of vocabulary. And if anyone doesn't know, a lot of C1, C2 vocab is, it's very high level. It's very advanced. So a lot of Mm -hmm. it is really not that useful in my opinion because it's not that frequent. So what I did is I took the words that I know as a native speaker that I use and hear often, and I took 75 of those words, put them into readings, into context, and did a lot of matching activities and multiple choice activities and just opportunities to practice and compiled that all into an ebook. And, you know, one of the reasons I did this too is because in the future, I would love to develop and sell an online course, but... I don't want to go through all of the work of making a course and realize I don't know how to sell anything online. And so Mm. I wanted to go through the process of just like selling something smaller, low stakes. I don't put a whole year into developing something and then realize I don't know how to sell it. And so Mm. that's also been a huge learning curve is, you know, setting up an email list or setting up a website and learning how to do a credit card payment. 
and just all of those intricacies that English language instructors don't naturally have the tools to do or the knowledge right. of how to do. It's really starting a business and also how to market this thing. And so I've definitely learned a lot from that and looking forward, hopefully um, can develop a course and yeah. That's so exciting and that's so smart. I'm excited to see if you end up creating a course, what that'll be like. That's just amazing. And I'm sure that part of that, you know, beyond just knowing whether you can market it is that you know, you've already built up a follower base right? Mm -hmm. You have people who are looking out for what you're doing and are like, oh my gosh, Amy Joy, my favorite English teacher has a has a new course. I really want to take it like because I know mm -hmm. that she's going to deliver good content. So you already have that stamp of approval going into it. So that's a really smart way of doing it. And I'm excited to see where that goes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm excited too. And I think a lot of us, we, we see people on YouTube or we see people on Instagram and TikTok and they have so many followers and, and whatnot but also realizing how long it takes to do that and yes. not necessarily a tip but just something is like if you decide to start a channel or you decide you want to start a course or something this is going to be a years-long thing when I started I told myself I said give myself five years <laughs> even wow. a year mm -hmm. is like not that long and in the grand scheme of things five years is not that long if you're interested in starting something just give yourself the time and have that expectation up front so that you can enjoy the journey along the way. I guess it's, it's cliche, but it's true. Um, it'll make you less stressed and you can celebrate your little wins along the way. You need to have a thousand before you can have 10,000 before you can have a million. So yeah, I love that. Yes. Your story is really inspirational for people out there. I really love that you highlighted this idea that even if you feel that the market is saturated, there's still space for you. You still have a different perspective mm -hmm. and the world will benefit from hearing from you. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a really beautiful takeaway for me. It will. And, you know, I am someone's favorite English teacher. You mm -hmm. are someone's favorite English teacher. I think Love every it. English teacher has been told at some point, wow, you're my favorite English teacher. And mm -hmm. there are so many people learning English in the world that we can be shared. And, you mm -hmm. know, you, you can subscribe to an unlimited amount of English teachers. I'm just one. And you don't just only watch one person on YouTube. Think about how you use YouTube. You watch so many different channels, you know, and... Mm -hmm you can just be one of them. And that doesn't take away from anyone else's. And so even if there's already people really? out there, they might watch one video from English with Lucy, but then they might watch one video from your favorite English teacher. And yeah. there's an infinite supply of people who need our help. I love that Amy Joy emphasizes patience and being kind to yourself as you start out as a teacher YouTuber. Mm. You're not gonna be successful right away. It's about persistence and learning and believing in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So listeners, we want to hear from you. Do you have a favorite YouTube teacher? Have you ever tried starting your own YouTube channel? You can share with us in a comment on social media or email us at teacherthinkaloud at gmail.com. We welcome your questions, reflections, and ideas. And don't forget to share your thoughts on using AI in the English language classroom. We want to feature your voice on our upcoming Friends of the Podcast episode. Let us know whether you've been using AI in your teaching. Why or why not? And how have you been using those AI tools, if any? 
Find our full list of questions on social media or on our website at teacherthinkaloud.com and record your answer in a voice memo on WhatsApp at bit.ly slash pod underscore friends. That's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Or by sending us an audio clip at teacherthinkaloud at gmail.com. This is your opportunity to share your experience and take part in our community of practice. As always, friends, thanks for joining us on the Teacher Think Aloud podcast. And until next time, happy teaching. And happy reflecting.